We are live. What's going on, everybody? This is Peter, aka Not Ghost Stories, back with a, another episode, season two, episode three of Creators Unplugged. Today we have, oh no, it's Coco, uh, a guest you're familiar with, and Fresh Trace, Patterson Pax. Welcome in, gentlemen. Hey, Yo, what's up? going on? Uh, Thanks for we, having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, before we get started, um, tell everyone where they can find you, uh, your most active socials, and then um, you know a little bit about the the content that you're making. Go ahead, Pat. Uh, so you guys can find me on YouTube, of course. That's really my my one and only social media platform at the moment. It's a uh, L me. I need to work on getting the other ones going. But uh, Patterson Packs is where you can find me. And I do mostly Pokemon content. We open up Pokemon cards at least one pack a day every day. And on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, we stream uh, pretty much all Pokemon games. Saturday, we leave it open to community games, whatever we're feeling. Could be like Fall Guys, uh, Fortnite, and whatever else happens to be new and, and happening at the time. Uh, and I'm Ono oh It's Coco. You can find me at Ono oh It's Coco on YouTube, uh, Twitter, TikTok, uh, and at Coco Games on Instagram. Mostly Coco. Pokemon content as well. Yeah, it's Coco Games on Instagram. It is, and you know what? I actually have the Ono oh No It's Coco hashtag on Instagram for my personal. So I just need to flip flop them, oh. and I'll be good. Then then it'll be consistent across the board. So is there a reason you don't DM me back on Instagram? Just on the wrong platform. Uh, I don't think those. I don't think those DMs are real. <laughs> I think. I don't should, think they're real. I think. I think we should all take a break, and so you can look at your phone. All right. Uh, hold on, podcast. We're gonna go take a quick look. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'll take a look. What's going on? I uh, I just got done streaming. I was playing Sludge Life. Have you guys played that game? No. No, never, never Sledge Life. What's uh, what's the, going on in Sledge Life? Uh, it's by Devolver Digital. Um, I don't know if it's from. Do you guys know that publisher at all? They did, yeah. Uh, like no. Cult of, of the Lamb is probably the one, at least the one that I know most of. They actually have a huge library. So there's some pages of games. It's like, it's like almost too big to call an indie developer, but I guess you would still call them an indie indie developer. Um, it's got an indie feel still you think yeah yeah like the art styles and like this one it's the whole game is kind of out of focus so it looks like uh, uh, yeah like you know like when right when you wake up or like if you're if you're if you've ever shot with the camera when you're focusing the the lens or projector and you're focusing the lens and it's about a half turn right before it's clear that's what the whole game oh yeah I feel like that would destroy my eyes. My oh. eyes would be trying to focus it the whole time. I, yeah, I got a headache uh, like toward the <laughs> end because it's it's a, like it's a little bit out of it's a little bit out of the dang. That's just kind of that's what I call immersive. Are you just cosplaying someone who hasn't put their glasses on yet <laughs> in that game, or what is it? It's uh, <laughs> it's a the even in the Steam description it says it's a vibe. Like it's the whole game is you're just uh, doing graffiti. You're just trying to tag a hundred spots. And you get five items, and like I don't know how to explain. There's no, there's no objective list. There's no you get there's fall damage, but there's no punishment for dying. There's no map. Like you just 
explore basically and it's like a platformer but it's first interesting yeah that's interesting i am am so like out of touch when it comes to any game that doesn't have a commercial like (laughs) it needs to be either the most mainstream title or i need to see commercials everywhere (laughs) for me to be playing it (laughs) is that just the expectation you have or just like think about other games there I just don't even think about them. I just, I used to, and then uh, I got on this Pokemon kick, and now it's only, only Pokemon, except for Legend of Zelda now. Of course, Tears of the Kingdom is coming out, so everybody knows about that one. Soon, right? Yeah, I think uh, maybe two weeks or so, three weeks maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. Coco's been trying to get me to get a Switch. I kind of want to get one, but it's too late now, because there's going to be a Switch too, right? I was just going to say, I think the, the new one, I don't know if it's been officially announced or not, but I hear it all over the place now that there's going to be a new Nintendo console soon. Yeah, it's not official that they've that they've even announced it, I don't think. But I I was hearing reports uh, that they're going to be announcing it sometime this year. Probably probably not to come out this year, but they're announcing it officially this year, I believe. Really? Mm-hmm. You think it's going to be like a second version of the switch or is it in nintendo fashion it's going to be something completely different i hope it's not a switch 2 because that gives me wii u vibes and i don't know about you guys i never actually played a wii u and i heard mostly negative things about the wii u but i did have a wii and it was fantastic love the wii why was the wii so bad well but here i mean here's here's the thing though i mean wii Wii u wasn't wasn't great and like the reason for it was like they knew they wanted to do something like the switch and they ended up putting something out that was like a step halfway which was the wii u um so like with the wii u you had that handheld that's very similar to the switch but you couldn't just play on the handheld like you couldn't take the handheld you know on the train on the bus uh you you had to have the console nearby that was the big the big issue um i think it's probably going to be something similar to the switch i think there might be like a lot of improvements probably a much larger screen i'd imagine um i i personally think that when and and i could be wrong but i think it's probably going to be something like similar to like going from like the ds to the 3ds so like you play roughly the same types of games but clearly it's better quality clearly it's its own system um, but overall, it's kind of the same concept. That's what I think is going to happen here. Maybe a little Nintendo VR, Coco? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. N- Nintendo does like to push the envelope quite a bit and kind of be, uh, you know, always thinking ahead, I suppose, as far as like hardware is concerned. But I don't know. I don't know if VR is going to be built into it or not, or maybe it has the the option to do so. Would be pretty not, sweet. Not a bad idea. Have they done yeah. anything VR related? Oh yeah, actually they did. They did VR back in the nineties, uh, oh. and it flopped because they wait. were way, wait. way, 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 way. Yeah, the nineties. Wait, wait, wait. I, I remember was the, that. Was it the I thing? Was that. it the 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 thing you looked in? And everything was red. What was yeah, that? it's called that, the Virtual Boy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it yes. came out in like ninety. It came out in ninety five, and it did so poorly because it was just. It's too far ahead of its time. People were still like somewhat newer to video games, um, you know, as just like an overall thing, like in everyone's household that like it just didn't do well. They only came out with like 
I want to say it's like less than 15 games in North America because it was so bad. Um, now it's obviously very collectible, but yeah, they, they, they tried to do a VR thing back then in the nineties, uh, and it just didn't do well, but then Nintendo does a lot of like very different things for their consoles over the years, even like starting with the original Nintendo, um, and, and like going through, they were always just kind of messing around. It was almost like little experiments they would do. Ever uh, got your hands on one and played it, Coco? The Virtual Boy? No, I've I've seen them in stores. You know, obviously because I do the retro collecting, but but no, I've never I've never tried one. Ooh. Is that that's the one where everything was red, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was like this that, reddish tint. And, that made ugh. you vomit too, because that that <laughs> stuff. No, it was. I remember this. Like it would just give you the craziest headaches because everything was red and, and it wasn't. It was '90s graphics, so it, was, it just looked like you were staring at computer code. So they in '95 they already had VR down pat. Makes you sick, you know. No, yeah, it's pretty Everything accurate. Like, Nothing's yeah, improved, accurate. obviously. <laughs> yeah, I've still never even tried. I've never tried a, a 2023 VR. I need to get myself a headset, whatever they call them. VR, yes. uh, Oculus, so, whatever. What's interesting is I really hadn't tried anything either. I don't know if you have Ghost, um, but I then I had the thing. opportunity. I tried Beat what, Saber, what? and then there was oh, like nice. another, which was cool. And then there was another game where you like jump from tree to tree. What was and, it? Were you uh, a monkey? No. I think they have something called like monkey tag it or was, something like it that. It was something like where you're, you're bouncing between trees and gliding. And I think it was a movement for sure. Like oh. based something. Gotcha. Um, and my biggest fear I- playing those games, like playing the, the VR was all you see are these videos of people like jumping headfirst into a TV. Yeah. And then I would yeah. play it and I was like, oh, you just, you don't move your feet. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. I forgot yeah. I was a gamer so, and I, like, I'm not like trying so to So <laughs> what's pretty interesting about like the VR conversation is like literally just two days ago, I picked up a VR headset. Um, I ended up getting the Oculus 2 and uh, just trying it out. It's, it's actually, um, pretty impressive what they've gone through as far as like safety measures for that kind of thing. Um, so like people don't go diving headfirst into Wait, their how? Uh, TV. How? how do you prevent that? So, so here, here's what's interesting. So when I put on the headset, basically like as you go through setup, it says like generally you should try to play this in the same spot every time. And you should have some like relatively open space. So what I did was like, uh, you know, I, I scooted my chair as far back as it can go in my office and I've got a little bit of space there. And it has you, uh, it, it basically turns on this mode where even though you have the VR headset on, you can see what's actually in front of you in real life, okay? And they have you draw an outline using one of the controllers. Like, here's my safe zone. Everywhere around this safe zone, I'm good. But if I go outside of it, I want you to notify me because that means I've kind of strayed outside that zone and I'm about to hit something. Okay. So then mm-hmm. as you're playing the game, if you get too close to the border and you can set what quote unquote too close would be if you get too close to the border you'll all of a sudden see a grid overlaying your game to let you know like hey somewhere you are too close to this border and you can look around and then you'll see somewhere on the grid where it's red that means like hey that's the close spot move away from there um so like it it happened to me the other day i was playing beat saber like you said um and um my grid showed up and i looked and i was I, i had taken one step back so the back part of me was close to the edge. 
Um, had I taken another step that way, or if I put my hand up that way, I would have been hitting like a, like a cabinet that I had in the room, for example. So like they, they build that in, which is really interesting. Do you, you set up cameras everywhere, right? Like you're supposed to put cameras. No, no. so I think what you might be referring to is there's a streamer, um, that, uh, streams their VR experience. And I think what they've done is they've essentially set up a giant room with a, like a giant empty room with like a microphone and green screens. And then they're wearing the VR headset and then they are streaming the game from their headset to the green screen. And you see them within the VR world. I think that's what's happening there. So for this, all you do is you put on the headset and you have a controller in each hand. It's still heavy though, right? The headset? Yeah. The headset is a little bit heavy. It kind of yeah. dragged my head down a little bit. It's kind of, it's hard to get used to. It's a little sweaty. You just, you have a, yeah. a thick neck, Coco. Neck <laughs> muscles. Yeah, yeah I got to start doing exercises if I want to keep up with the VR. <laughs> I, I was like, the most impressive videos of the VR. Always. Beat Saber, like I was, uh, it, you know, it's it's the number one game I wanted to try with a VR headset. So the very first thing I did when I got everything going was went to the store, searched for Beat Saber. They have a demo. I'm like, cool. I was thinking like I don't have too much of an issue with like motion in games. Like I don't really get motion sick from playing video games regularly. But I thought maybe having something too close to my face, I would probably get motion sickness. I, I'm not even kidding when I tell you I forgot I was in VR. That's how seamless and like normal it felt to be playing that game. Now, I tried other games on VR and it very clearly was VR and it very clearly was making me queasy. I immediately uninstalled it. But like Beat Saber was so natural feeling. I, I could play that for hours and not even notice. It's, a, it's so fun. And you can buy. So you can buy any music, right? How do they? Oh, that I'm not. That I'm not sure. The... I've only I've only played the demo. I was like, I was thinking of how do they, it's like when you upload songs to Guitar Hero and the notes are already built into the. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That was a good time. Yeah, like how do they, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that I'm not sure. Boxes, which are the notes, essentially. Yeah, I don't, and, and I'd imagine on Beat Saber, it's similar to Guitar Hero and Rock Band to where you choose a difficulty. So now you're talking about four different, um, you know, notes for each right. song. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. yeah. Or sets. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Speaking of Guitar Hero, Boko yes. told me that once upon a time he was a, a Guitar Hero king. He says a lot. He slayed, <laughs> he slayed that guitar. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to. No, no, no. I mean, Guitar Hero, oh, Guitar right. Hero. Uh, I, I used to be I used to be really good at Guitar Hero. Like when I was um, when I was in high school is when I first started playing it. And uh, I'd never heard of it. And a buddy of mine had it. And he was like, oh, do you want to try this out? It's called Guitar Hero. And uh, I was like, sure. And he goes, well, I'll put you on easy mode. I was like, nah, I'm all right. Put me on medium. I had no <laughs> idea what to do. I eventually like I picked it up and me and uh, me and this buddy of mine, shout out Adam. Uh, who had the who had the ps2 uh we ended up like working our way up to expert relatively quickly and i mean we were just constantly getting 90 percent and above on everything on expert and and then our local b-dubs one day buffalo wild wings was holding a guitar hero tournament 
uh, and we went there. We, we I don't know why, but we we went there and we we signed up for the tournament. How many people Th- that were playing? Probably like yeah. twenty. Really? That's a yeah. That's probably a nice like probably like twenty. Turnout. That's a great tournament. Yeah. For a, for yeah, a, a and the, Wild Wings tournament. <laughs> the, the only the only issue with it was is like um they were playing like their version was on the Xbox, which you wouldn't think was like drastically different, but they had downloaded all of the downloadable content, which we did not do on the PlayStation. Oh, no. I ended up having to play a song I had never heard before, uh, oh, and I was essentially sight reading. No, it was just a random song, and it ended up uh, being a a no doubt song that I had never played before on there and i ended up losing relatively early that sucks it was a bummer it was no, a bummer I mean, no doubt's um, great, but that's yeah no yeah. no doubt solid but but you know if if i ever hear i don't even know what song it was but if i heard it i'd know i i just i just i'm like curse you gwen stefani <laughs> um <laughs> thinking about that song man uh, you lost me my 25 dollar buffalo wild wings card that was the reward <laughs> I think just it was fifty dollars for first place was. or something like that. But in store credit, essentially, it was like a beat up <laughs> gift card. You know, you had to buy some wings. You know, has to be that location. Has to be on like a Tuesday <laughs> yeah, night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. It's the yeah, greasiest exactly. controllers because exactly. everyone's just eating wings and passing it off to the. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You you can't hit the green button anymore on yeah, the guitar. It's, it's just stuck, stuck down with some honey barbecue. <laughs> Someone didn't clean their hands of the ranch well enough. Of course they didn't. Of course they didn't. Well, no, but it was that? it was fun. That was boy. That was probably like 2007. Ooh, strong year. 2007. That that's a that's a throwback. Which now Guitar Heroes, Guitar Heroes still got a, a strong community. Uh, it's sure. actually kind of funny. There's a there's a game on. Um, it's like its own client, so you have to download it, but it's called Clone Hero. Yep, and you can that. plug in the guitars to the computer, and then you can literally just download every song. I mean, they have so many songs on there that you can play. Um, what? The interface is really, really good. Uh, if you go on TikTok right now, you can find a bunch of people playing it live, and they have like leaderboards. There's people who get um, what they call full uh, FCs, full combos, which is... That means you got 100% of the notes and you didn't like double strum by accident, like when you shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, of like through the fire and the flames on expert. I mean, these these guys uh, and and some gals as well probably have not stopped playing that song since it's come out. You know, I mean, yeah, it's I was going to say it's insanely it's like, impressive. It's like 15 years of practice. I know. Yeah, it's it's wild. I pick that game back up again. I don't know if I'd get through any like medium set. <laughs> I would just, uh, it would just be that sound. Do you guys remember that sound it would make when you messed up? Clunk, like, just like, like clunk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's so funny. That's part of what made that game great, you know? It, it was. It really was. I dug Rock Band a lot, too. I really liked Rock Band. I think that was. It's crazy. Like, it was never. What's up? My, my, bad, my bad. Go ahead. Oh, you're good. Go ahead. Finish up. Uh, no, I, I was just, just going to say, I was oh. never a rock man guy. <laughs> I was never a rock man guy. I did a lot of guitar here, not a lot of rock band. You'd always like put the, the fringe friend on the microphone. Yeah. Because everyone yeah, else wanted to play. The you kind of look at everybody and you're like, hey, who could play the drums? Yeah, I'm all right. I could play on medium. What about you? Oh, I can play expert on guitar. All right, buddy, you get the tambourine and the microphone. The guitar, yeah, the guitarist always had it. Like the good guitarist always had a spot. The good drummer always had a spot. There was no argument. 
And then it was always like Greg, the weirdo from next door who had to be on the microphone. Hey, bro, do you want to play bass or do you want to do the microphone? Yeah. Now it's like... Yeah, we, we can at least take turns, man. I don't, I don't want to be just sitting yeah, on the mic the whole time. Oh, it's so funny. And that one arguably, so it's like, it's funny. Like if you, when you were playing that too... It's like if you picked up the guitar and you were bad, it's like it's not really embarrassing. It just means you haven't really played the game. But if you sing and you're bad, it's embarrassing. It you know what I mean? Say, like it, it's it's way different than playing the other instruments. But yeah, like I don't know about you guys, but if I sing, I'm hurting people's ears. Like I feel like <laughs> you, you could be bad enough to not be the singer in rock band. Just make sure you sing so bad that they're like, look, you get the bass. <laughs> They're like, listen, bro, we'll let you pick the song, but that's about it. Take a seat. <laughs> oh, man. Man, so, Pat. So, um, I guess what, like, what got you into Pokemon so hard? You like, really want to know? Was it like, a, like, were you always a fan, or is this something like, yeah, I'm going to try this out, and you, like, you became a fan? You a Pokemon kid like everybody else for... Like, it's definitely a... Pokemon's one of those franchise, like one of those games where, or one of the, I guess it's so much more than a game now, but you either, I feel like everyone touched it at least once, and then some people just kept going, and then some people yeah. just stopped altogether. All I'm, I'm, one, I'm someone who stopped altogether after about Yellow version. Well, I went a little further than that before yeah. <laughs> I stopped, but I, I'm, I'm definitely a Pokemon kid. I'm 28 years old, which means that when Pokemon came out, I was like or six or at least when it hit mainstream i don't know like it was probably out earlier in uh you know asia or something but yeah. um i i watched the original tv series that's the only tv series i've actually watched and i played hold up hold up rewind yeah. <laughs> tv series for anything ever oh no my bad oh, the, my the only season of pokemon <laughs> oh my god no, that's uh, my bad. The only season of Pokemon I've ever watched. I've watched many TV series. I should get that straight before okay, we continue. Okay, cool. But um, I watched the only season of Pokemon that I've ever watched. I played every generation of like the mainline games from, from Blue all the way up through Diamond and Pearl. And the release of... I believe Platinum is like the third one in that set is like the first one that I did not play. And then I took a massive break for, I don't even know how many years that is until like this year, last year. And the reason or the person that got me back into it is actually on this call right now. Ghost, you got Echo. them into it? How yeah, did I did. That's actually the, yeah. uh, you know, the plot twist. It was me the whole time. Oh, it, it's, it, it's Coco. Spoiler. I'm sorry. Or, you know, busting that. Spoiler. Uh, we were at work, and Coco's been streaming for some time. And he was like, dude, you got to get on streaming. You got to stream. And I was a little bit hesitant about it. And uh, what was a game that I could play that I kind of knew about? and uh, it wasn't too difficult because I'm not very good at any specific series or game was Pokemon. And so I picked up a Switch, hopped on at the time Pokemon Sword, but Scarlet and Violet were just on the way, about to be released. 
And then uh, by the time the streams really got going, we were playing Scarlet and Violet. So let's uh, have Coco to thank for better some pack streams. Were you making Pokemon content outside outside of live streams before that too, or like just all of it came same time? Uh, a little bit before I started with the Pokemon cards. My channel actually began around, I'll say, midway through COVID. I began to get bored, and I thought, okay, well, how can I spend my time productively and do something I like doing? I thought, okay, I'll start a YouTube channel. It actually began with sports cards, because when I was younger, I was into sports cards. They're easily accessible, and, uh, you know, I watch sports, so I'm still... I'm still like knowledgeable on all the players and who's good and who's bad. So I started opening up sports cards, just like we do Pokemon cards now. Like baseball, only or, different, or, any, or just any sport. When I think uh, bad, any, like, like sports cards, I think baseball first. So any sport, um, my preferred sport to open the cards is football cards. Okay. Followed by basketball and baseball, kind of tied. Hockey cards, not so much. I live up in Canada, so hockey is very popular. Sure. Um, not with myself. And then it was, uh, again, Coco that got me into the Pokemon cards. Because I don't know if anybody here has ever, or anybody listening, has ever seen Coco's background on his streams or his videos. But you'll be interested if you do take a look. Got a lot of cool stuff. Um, a lot of Game Boys, a lot of Pokemon stuff. He was just telling me about his collection and what he's up to. And uh, next thing you know, I'm going to the store buying some Pokemon cards. I'm right back into it like I was 20 years ago. And it's like Pokemon cards. How many, how many cards are there? Let's just start there. Oh that's my a, gosh. I mean, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty tough question. I mean, like... How many active cards? They release they release <clears throat> a new Pokemon set usually every three to four months, um, year round, and in those sets there's anywhere from like on a normal set it would be anywhere from like a hundred and fifty to like two hundred and fifty cards total like different cards like different mm -hmm. artworks and stuff. Um, so I mean you you kind of you know extrapolate that out from from now until back in you know 90 whatever when they came out um i mean if you were to, to try to collect every card i mean you're talking about tens of thousands of cards easily yeah it would be it would be tough there's also like uh like promotional cards right so some cards you can only get like back in the day i think pokemon 2000 might have been the first movie but if you want to go see it in the theaters you would get some special cards mm -hmm. do stuff like that still so some of the cards are pretty tough to come by. And you can't just get them by going to your local Walmart or Target and picking up a pack. Because it creates a super hardcore collecting space. Mm -hmm. Yes. Got, you know, all these promotionals hold up somewhere. Someone that has a ton of money can buy everything and someone else can have it, basically. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I think up, a lot uh, of go ahead. I was just going to say, I think a lot of what what ends up happening with like in the Pokemon cards specifically is like you either have someone who 
wants to just complete a given set. So like a set comes out and they're like, hey, I really like the artwork. I'm going to go for a what they call a master set. So it's every card that would exist within that set. Um, then you would have other people who are like, I'm a diehard magic carp collector, and they will try to get every magic carp card that exists out of all the sets. Um, so they'll try to find every iteration of, of magic carp, for example. Um, and then you've just got other collectors who are like, yeah, I'm just going to collect cards I like, or if they look cool or if they're valuable or, or what have you. So there's like a little bit of everything. I don't, I don't know of, of anyone personally, um, that tries to get like one of every single card in existence. I think that would just be, that'd be a little bit tough. Yeah. And then every set that comes out, they also release, uh, like what I would call chase cards. You know, there's, they call them, uh. Are they now Coco illustration rares, something like that? Previously, there mm -hmm. were alternate arts. These alternate arts are uh, cards that are placed in very few packs, and they just have like crazy artwork, and it's the full card. Whereas, if you were to find the regular version, it's like some pretty plain artwork. It's still cool, but nothing, nothing too uh, ridiculous. These cards, they're usually worth quite a bit more money. And uh, there's a lot of people, like when you go to the store and you buy a pack, that's the one that you want to pull. And those are always in limited runs? Yeah, well, they're limited. I don't know if they ever release. Do they ever release how many are printed? I don't think so. They don't so. ever release how many are printed, but what they have is like there's some pretty big companies, uh, like websites online that will do, um, you know, they will open a very large amount of packs once the set releases. And then they will basically tally up what the pull rates are for certain cards. So they'll say like, oh, you know, we opened 10,000 packs and we pulled this card X amount of times. So that must mean that the pull rate for this card is one out of every 400 packs, for example. Who's, wait, what company's buying up that many? Packs. Well, I and, and again, I, I yeah, I don't know the specifics behind it. I mean, it could just be like like the, the quote unquote company could be like a group of buddies that they all collect. So then they all, you know, and they might have like disposable income. So they might all buy like 500 packs and they just do that every round so that they can get that that info. Um, I, I'm not really sure. But like Pokemon, to my knowledge, does not release what their pull rates are for individual cards. Yeah people to buy it <laughs> of course yeah of course yeah i think although i do think and i've talked to coco about this before it would be cool if they released like limited uh printed cards yeah whether it makes makes sense or not i don't actually know but uh if you if you were to cross it with sports cards sports cards for example will have cards that are like um Maybe One a different color. Yeah, it could be a different color. Could have an autograph, which obviously a Pokemon is not autographing a card, but you know, uh, something special about it. And they'll have limited print runs, so you might get one that's like numbered twenty-seven out of a hundred. Could be five out of five, one out of one. I think if they drop those in the packs, that would be super cool. They currently list the, you know, like. This is ten of two hundred or whatever. Do they do they have anything like that? No, no. I no. mean, they'll they'll list like for example, like when the set comes out, it, it'll usually leak. But you can see all of the cards that are about to be coming out in a particular set ahead of time. Um, mm -hmm. But you have no knowledge of how good the pull rates are going to be. So like, 
from you know it varies from one set to another um which which card is going to be the chase and how easy it is to to pull it or how difficult it is to pull it um they don't really give you that information uh, you always get a heads up on the set too and it, the set might not be uh like a hundred percent the same but the japanese sets always release before canadian or um, north american sets and uh, often there are a lot of similarities uh, between the two sets like coco was saying so you get a heads up and also like whatever the chase card may be the amount of people chasing it or the amount of packs opened to actually pull that card usually depends on which Pokemon is featured on the card. Um, you know, some Pokemon are far less popular than others. So of recent sets, I can think of the Umbreon, alternate art Umbreon card from Evolving Skies is like the chase card of every set. Never mind, you know, that one set. Whereas a set like Fusion Strike has not very many chase cards just because the Pokemon featured on those cards aren't popular. It has like one or two big cards, but there's not really anybody opening up Fusion Strike. <laughs> and then if you're a collector, do you go, okay, I'm collecting these cards, but do you also go, okay, now I have to collect them in every language that they're people consider that part of the options i mean it's harder for it's harder for like a like uh in the u.s or the north american market to get our hands on japanese sets it's becoming more more common now for for like u.s companies for example to import the japanese sets but i think the reason for that is because they release in japan early and people just want to get their hands on new product so like mm -hmm. If like if Japan releases a set, you know, on on May 1st, for example, we won't get it in the States until maybe the middle of June or potentially July. And people see the artworks and they're like, dang, that's really cool artwork coming out of the Japanese set. I would buy some of the Japanese set to do that. Um, but like, you know, they still release the cards in Italian, Spanish, French. Um, I, I don't know of I, I haven't heard of too many people that go for like every single language or, or version that the, you know, cards are released in. I think but I'm sure those people are out there. They're oh, like, okay. I, I'm telling you, th this will tell you how crazy this will tell you how crazy collecting can get. So if you think back to um, Pete, I, I'm sure you did you open Pokemon cards when you were a kid? Yeah, sure. Like to any extent. Um, so like, let's think back to like base set and, and even after that with like Neo, like the Neo discovery and stuff like that the big thing to pull was holographic cards that was it like that was that was they we didn't have all these crazy arts like we do now on the holographic they use this pattern really shiny and sometimes you would get a swirl in that holographic if you if you shined it in the light the right way you would see this swirl it kind of looked like muse tail a little bit right and it swirls around there is a group of collectors that collect something what's called fart swirls <laughs> and what this would be are holographic cards where there is a swirl in the holographic portion right by the butt of the Pokemon featured on the card. So it looks like a fart is coming out of their butt. It's actually Coco collecting those. No, he has no, those no, out no, there. No, no. I'm, not, I'm not a fart. Fart swirl. 
Yes, it's I mean, like there are so many different groups of collectors um, that just, you know, I don't know what makes whatever they're, you know, collecting click. But like, um, you know, there there are people that collect error cards, cards that were misprinted in the factory and still made it through. And then people find them, you know, they're off centered or they have some mark on them that's not supposed to be there. Um, I mean, there's just so many different iterations of collecting and it's just, it, it's kind of cool because it's, it's, it's just all what you want, you know, like if, if you like it, you can collect it. So that's kind of the appeal. So there's there regular holographics all... and farts were a holographic. Exactly. <laughs> You've got Dude, it. Now, now that, does, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen anymore. Like the, the way that their hol- holographic patterns are now, they don't do the swirls in them um so this is more like uh vintage cards which what we would them, consider like vintage yeah, cards. which makes them rare now right oh yeah oh yeah yeah there are also and this this primarily happens in older sets there are some cards that were misprinted in mass quantities just because somebody might not have noticed that there was a mistake mm-hmm. like if you go all the way back i believe it's the base set war turtle there's a war turtle that says it evolves into war turtle instead of blastoise. No, the, obviously no it, a says, mistake. it says the war turtle says like what it evolved from and it shows a war turtle oh. and it's supposed to show a squirtle. That's what it there is. There you go. Sorry, yeah. I had it backwards. Yeah. But like if, if you have that card and it's in good condition and it's uh, shadowless, which is again, there's shadowless versus non-shadowless in the original sets, which shadows came in the second and third print runs but uh you know if you have one of these cards in good shape that somehow made it through it's worth way more than the actual war turtle card printed properly oh here we go war turtle evolving from war turtle yeah so it's like google images right now like a a normal war turtle card war turtle card from base set would probably be like three or four bucks like nothing crazy um, but if you have like a good condition, one of these that has like the evolution error, it goes upwards of like 80 to a hundred dollars, oh, sometimes more if it's graded. Um, just so because of any of those, because of a, yeah, just because of a little mistake. So every, everyone out there, check your binders, if you, yeah. you know, dust off the binder. Stop the there's, binder. Start <laughs> there's other through. ones out there. There's other yeah. ones out there. I just can't think of them right now. That's, that's the one that I see or I, I hear about, uh, most commonly. Um, you know, how do you guys feel about the Squirtle War Portal Blastoids as evolution? <laughs> you're you're talking to the right guy because Pat is a um, huge fan. Yeah, I would agree. Oh, I would well, say that see, we're done here. Whoever, right. whoever says, "Yep," <laughs> no argument here. I mean, whoever says that is clearly uh, smartest, <laughs> the smart. Gogo, what's your go-to? Man, it's it's so tough for me to pick, man, because like one that has three three evolution. Three evolution. Two evolutions, I guess, total. But one that like what what's your the Squirtle has three forms, so what's like your triple form Pokemon that you think is the best uh set of I mean, evolutions? It it sounds like we're talking about starters here, you know, and, and like for me if I think to back to the original 151, right, and I'm I'm sitting at those. If I'm a kid, I probably choose Charmander. As an adult, oh, I probably yeah. choose I probably choose Bulbasaur because he was just so hated on. You know why was he hated no, on so hard? 
He's he's just a ball of lettuce, you know. He's he's, he's uh, a broccoli bulb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think we can all agree though that the middle of the three for all of them is always terrible. Like no one, no one is like a huge Charmeleon no, fan. Right. They either <laughs> love Charmander or they love Charizard. You know. Are are we talking just the original three? Or are we talking starters in general? I I, I was keeping I it to original argue. three just because just because I I I know uh, Ghost's Pokemon knowledge doesn't go too far, you know. So he's okay. not going to know like Gen eight and nine starters or anything like that. Now that we're at over a thousand Pokemon, <laughs> I will throw out there that War Turtle is not bad. <laughs> nice try. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. War Turtle is top five of all of them ever. He he just reminds me of like that teenager in the neighborhood that like he knows he's doing stuff he's not supposed to. You yeah, know, he's, he's got a little turtle. darkness to him. It's yeah, he's, you need that. In a it's in the name. <laughs> you need you need a little darkness. Like who's rocking yeah. Metapod? You know what I mean. True. That's true. I mean, who do, who do you want on your team? War Turtle or like smiley face turtle guy? I mean, I War listen. I, I yeah. get it. I get it. Who's the worst I, evolution? You can name anyone. The, whatever the, the Poplio, the Poplio evolutions. I don't even know them, but they're all bad. They're just bad. Yeah, they're 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 not good. Which That's ones? like later gens. It's like Gen five or six. There's one called Poplio. It's like a seal or something. I bet you I got that wrong. Anytime I get these wrong, everybody's always on my case. Uh, I think it's a seal. Oh, it looks and pretty like, stupid. Yep, sea lion Pokemon. Sea lion, see. If I would have said that live, everybody would have been on my case instantly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll edit that out somehow, maybe. Stupid. Yeah. Who? Oh, I thought you said Umbreon, and I was like, you're going to make a lot of people angry with that uh, statement. Well, Umbreon is um, cool. I, know, I, I even know who that is. I actually, my favorite Pokemon is is Cubone. Like, favorite Pokemon of all time is Cubone. I actually hate its evolution. Marowak is terrible. It's it's so, such an L Pokemon, in my opinion. Why? I don't know. It's just like the, the, the allure to, and this happens with a lot of them, I think, for me, is like the allure to some of the Pokemon I like is that they're adorable. They're so cute. They're funny. They look silly. And then they, like, grow up to be this, like, angsty teenager. And I just, I don't like it. I just <laughs> uh, don't like it, you know? It has a regional form. What is it? A now, now the, yeah, the regional form is sick. I like that because it's like That's a fire cool. dancing. Like it's it's cool. But just regular Marowak just seems like I don't know, like condescending. Like if I were to talk to a Marowak in real life, it seems like it would it would like look down on me for using plastic bags. You know, like I I don't know what it is. That's what Marowak new, is known for, though. Uh, mm -hmm. Environmental. <laughs> it's one of the most environmental. Which, which, sorry, I'm going to take a small tangent here. We went, went shopping with the fam over the weekend. Uh -huh. We went into a Petco, like a pet store. Uh -huh. And we, we were buying a, that. yeah, we were just, we were buying a, uh, a thing, a, like a special cat food for our cat. It was our cat's birthday. So we got her like some nice food. And we checked out and they go, we have a 10 cent plastic bag fee. Do you want your, did you bring your own bag or do you want to pay 10 cents for a plastic bag? And we're, we're like, the 10 cents is fine. That's cool. And, and I'm guessing it's like to help the environment. Like, hey, if we tell these people that we're going to charge them for for bags, we're going to, you know, save the environment. And then they gave me a receipt that would have reached from here to the end of Narnia. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I think they've missed the point. But 
anyways, sidetracked a little bit. Just a heads up, a warning. We've been getting those bag chargers up here in Canada for time now, so get ready. They get worse. Oh boy. I love it. We can, uh, we can return. We can return to the Pokemon conversation. In Georgia, we do not have bag fees. Coming. In fact, they like triple up a bag for just giving you a. In fact, if you go to the grocery <laughs> store, they will wrap everything individually in plastic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually kind of crazy. <laughs> Be like, hey, you want a straw with that? I'm like, I'm not even drinking anything. They're like, yeah, let me throw some straws in there too. I'm like, Dude. It's kind of crazy. It's actually pretty obnoxious. Um, but I bring my own bags anyway because I was I used to live in Seattle and they had a bag fee. They had a bag. They had so many garbage tax. Like, you'd get your garbage bill and it would say, uh, you know, found non-recyclable material in recycled. So oh they, wow! Like they go, they go through your garbage, and then they find you on the next. Um, if you, if you really don't like somebody, you go to their house at night, right? When they're when they're <laughs> start mixing their, mixing their <laughs> Dude, trash into their recycle bins. Yeah. <laughs> it's it was crazy. It was crazy. They would dig through your garbage and then be like, "Hey, you know, here's an eight dollar fee for having in your cycle. It's supposed to be in the garbage, or vice versa. Or like your garbage wasn't clean. What?" That's, that's here, tough, here, though, in o- here in Ohio, they just give you like a, a really condescending, like passive aggressive note on your on your trash can after they pick it up. And they're like styrofoam doesn't belong here. Wait, really? You know, just yeah, yeah. yeah. They they'll put a notes. they'll put a note uh, like a post-it note on your. So like I think one time I thought that that styrofoam was maybe recyclable. So I put it into recycle and I got a note on my recycle bin that said you cannot like please like, handwritten please do not please do not throw styrofoam into trash can or, or into oh. into recycle bin or something it's similar here except here they are pre-printed and they're extremely bright so that everybody on your street <laughs> yeah. knows no, that you don't know what you're doing your it's like a, a bright fluorescent pink big huge full-size paper facing the street that says oops You've thrown something wrong into this bin. Oh no! Yeah, and then you have to go and take it off and hold your head. I thought Canadians low. were nice. That, that, that they don't want harsh. to. They don't want to confront you face to face. So they, they want to get the point across very subtly. Yet they want you to feel the pain that they feel. Shame. When they see, yeah, when so they, they see your garbage is not sorted correctly. So they create create garbage to let you know about the garbage. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's really cool. Really cool place. <laughs> but I guess they're doing it down this way too. It'll it'll eventually hit this part of the country. Wild. Yeah, strict recycling, which is it's good, right? Nope. I mean, I'm all for recycling, but recycling good. What, they make it hard though. Some stuff is like if I throw it in the paper bin or the plastic bin. Like, Wait, uh, you have to sort yours down there? Or up yeah. there? Yeah. No, for, for us, it's either trash or recycle. There's oh, two bins. Oh, man. What? Up here? No, no. We have, I have like three or four, well, four. Four different bins that go out on trash really? days. So you have, you have your, <laughs> your compostable stuff, right? Like banana peels and sure. apple Waste. cores. Yeah. I just and then you have your... the woods. <laughs> I give it, I give it back a... to nature. Feed the animals. 
Apple core is yeah, not you don't want to attract the moose. The you don't want to attract the moose up there. No. Oh yeah. Okay, so you have that compost. You got the compost. Then you got your your blue bins, which are plastic and and paper. Hopefully, I'm not missing one, and I I'm not doing it wrong. But like, you have to separate things that essentially it's, it's all paper, and then everything else. The problem is with things like, uh, say, like a coffee cup. Mm. It's got all this plastic in it, but the cup itself is made out of paper, so it can get very confusing, at least for me. And that one would go in the plastic bin. But there's, like, notices that go out all the time here that you get in the mail. It's like, this is what goes in the paper, and this is what goes in the plastic, <laughs> because there's obviously, like, a number of items that are commonly thrown into the wrong bin. It would be way easier if we just had recycling and garbage. And then, of course, there's my garbage bag, which is essentially everything that doesn't go in any of the other bins. What's left after the four bins? Surprisingly. It's like pennies and stuff. <laughs> I, let me go through the garbage, I'll tell you, right after this. <laughs> <laughs> we have one bin. One <laughs> bin. It's big and it's green. You just put it all... I don't know if trash that's... and trash and recycling. Yeah, you just throw it all into one. And that, I wonder if they sort everything at the facility. Oh, you know what else though? If you're really good at recycling up here, you get a gold bin. What? So just you can just it? like they shame, yeah, genius? just like they sh <laughs> they shame you for being bad at sorting your garbage. But if you're really good, reward you, and everybody knows that I you're didn't... an amazing. That's like recycling Bachelor. plus, like recycle premium. How do you get it? Yeah. I actually don't know. I guess I've never been that good at never, my recycling. Never had enough consecutive days of sorting your garbage <laughs> correctly. Yeah, but they have these, they're, they're actually yellow, but I think they call them gold bins. And like, everybody knows that you do good garbaging every week if you have one. That's hilarious. That's I actually, will I will pay I will send you PayPal if you make a video spray painting your blue bin gold. <laughs> but it's like really gold and it doesn't match all the yellow ones yeah, that you see exactly, out there. <laughs> exactly. And when you put it out, you walk around with this air on like, oh, look at me. I've yeah. next thing you know, whole street perfect garbage days. <laughs> <laughs> That should be a service. You should go around telling people like, hey, for 20 bucks, I will okay. spray paint your bin gold. <laughs> so you, okay. I w actually, I kind of want to ask both of you, like, how, how, in the most respectful way, do your, do your YouTube channels and your content, I guess, fund your pack openings because packs are expensive. Especially if you're opening a pack a day, so like, has like, are you in a place now where you've kind of created this perfect system where the same content that you're making from the packs is the same content that's paying for the packs that you purchase? Is it like, I'm just thinking of like a content creator set of like, is is the same stuff you're making pay for the stuff that you need to make? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go, go first, first on that one because mine's mine's pretty simple. The answer is no. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not yet I'm not yet monetized on YouTube, so I don't make money off of any of the videos that I post. 
Um, but for me, it just so happens that I love to o- open packs like right. personally. Right. So if, if I, you know, it's just another excuse, like, Oh, gotta go get some more packs because, you know, and it's yeah, like, yeah. great. I get to, I get to cr- keep opening packs. Um, so I, I usually just go and buy from a set that I, you know, would be cool with opening and, and, you know, whatever, and just do it like that as a hobby. And it just doubles as content. Pat might be in a little bit of a different, uh, um, scenario here. I haven't bought a pack in years with my own money. Um, that's awesome. Jo- no, serious. Uh, that was a joke. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, <laughs> that's- that's no. <laughs> not the gold garbage can behavior, okay? That's all no, no, that's a terrible joke. Uh, no. Uh, so my channel recently became monetized as of like maybe two months ago exactly. As, as of the time of this call. Thank you very much. Uh, and, and I get this question a lot on streams, like in the live chat or in the cool. comments. They ask me, uh, like, you know, how much money do you actually make? Well, that's, that's sure definitely it's... not the question I'm asking. No. I'm just asking, like, does are you at the point now in, in this journey of like no. where can fund your um, fund it? Um no. So I, I often explain to people it, it's not it's not like I thought or it's not like many people think. Uh, it'll probably be some time before the channel actually funds the pack openings. Yeah. But um much like Coco, I don't mind. I enjoy opening the packs, right? I'm not, I didn't start the channel to go make a bunch of money and, and buy the packs with it. Sure. Um, I enjoy opening the packs. I'll continue opening the packs, especially, you know, each new set comes out. I think both Coco and I, we go buy a bunch of packs. We have fun. We open them on the channel. We talk about our pulls offline. But maybe one day. I think that's the goal. That's the goal. At least then we can, you know, have fun and run the channels and provide better content for everybody. Right. And not have to worry about all the extra money that goes into it, but it's just such for an now, like, unseen. Nope. Like you were saying, sorry to interrupt. It's just like such an unseen element of you know you're you open packs on your channel. You open a lot of packs. You you open a pack a day. Yeah. Damn, like I'm getting there, man. Like you gotta give me a second. Like, I gotta go to my regular. Yeah, Venmo me ten, and like, the next video yeah. will be today, <laughs> yeah. homie. I'll I'll go buy yeah, some I'll packs right now. now. You know. I think, I think that uh, some people think, and this goes back to what we were talking about a while ago here. Uh, as you get to older and older packs, they become more and more expensive. So some people will come in the comments and say, "Hey, uh, can you open this pack?" And it's from like 2012, and to get this pack it might be like eighty dollars. It's not on top of finding it; it's very expensive. So it's it's unfortunately not something that I can do now. It would be really cool, you know, to get the channel to a point where we can open these other packs, these older packs that are a little more expensive. Because on average, I think it's safe to say that when you open a pack of cards, you're not really getting your money's worth. You're not making your money back on the cards that are inside the pack. Uh, we do it for fun, so right. it's kind of irrelevant. If, if your goal was to buy a $5 pack and pull cards that were worth $5 or more, probably not happening. Yeah, like, you did, you, it see. is a good point, Go though, Ghost, where you know a lot of people don't notice or, or perhaps they just don't think about 
um, the fact that it is an added cost. But I, I think that like I, I think that applies no matter who you are, that like whether it's money, time, um, preparation, I, I, I think I think a lot of viewers take a lot of that for granted uh, as far mm -hmm. as like what creators do uh, as to like the time they put in, um, you know, in prep or in actual, you know, um, you know, practice of doing the streams or, or the money or, or what it may be. Um, it, it's, and, and, you know, some of that can be a testament to like how seamlessly it might be going. So they don't even think about it, but I think they see it as entertainment or maybe they look to really big creators and think like, oh, well they can do it. So can Pat, so can ghost. Right. But it's, you know, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that they don't realize, um, you know, without doing it themselves. Yeah, because I was yeah, just, very true. and I don't mean to, you know, bring up money. I just, it's just like one of those pieces. It's one of those lanes where it's a constant. You're constantly having to refresh. I'm just thinking of like, man, and even, even uh, you know, I'll talk about Nick too. Nick reviews games, and yeah, he reviews games yeah. once a week, which means he's buying a new game every single week. And yeah, I'm just like, dang, you got to refresh. <clears throat> Whereas, like, I feel like my content is like i pick a game i'm playing games i find a game that i really like or that i'm enjoying doing and then i'll try to make as much as i can and squeeze that game content as much as i can think of and then kind of go to the next one where it's you guys are constantly having to to refresh and yeah and like us and us and <clears throat> like me and pat and nick are probably similar in the fact that like a lot of what our content uh like although our content is good a lot of the um you know, like when you're saying like refreshing is is like when um, because it's new, a lot of people are looking for it. Right. right. So like when they're when Nick's reviewing a game, <clears throat> it's a brand new game. People are out there looking for it. Gets a lot of eyes on your content. Same mm. with us. Right. Like, oh, you know, not only is opening a pack like, oh, what's going to be in there? But also it's like, oh, this new set just came out uh, yesterday. Let's let's see what's in there. Right. And it's like the newest thing. Um, you know, so I think that's that's kind of the you know, the appeal there is like, oh, look at this new thing that came out. Maybe it's more exciting than the last, you know? Right. It'd be, just be, just seems hard. Like, it seems hard, like a constant grind. Like, even you were talking about the pack. They're like, hey, can you open a pack from this gen? And you're like, man, I don't even. So do people just then sit on older sets just for the sake of sale? Like, are, are people, like, would you guys buy you know, a new set comes out, you buy a pack to do openings with, you buy a pack to just sit on. Is that I like part of the strategy? I personally, personally, I don't. No. No, I, I, I don't either. I mean, most most modern sets that would be coming out, I mean, you would have to sit on for, for with, with few, there are a few exceptions, but um, you would probably have to be sitting on them for quite some time to see like an actual like, oh, I bought this $5 pack and now it's worth 20 that would probably take several years. Right. Yeah, I'm thinking you of gotta... cases, like a case of. Yeah, I mean, you could. There are there are people out there that do that, um, but but I think more so for them, they just they like to collect that particular product, like that case. Like, oh, I have a sealed case from every single yeah, set that's come yeah. out, or something like that. But I don't I don't think a lot of people are buying it to because so many times you get burned because the Pokemon company mm -hmm. is a can be a tad vindictive uh, if people start like buying up all the Pokemon cards so that people can't get them, they'll just overproduce them because they're like, fine, I'll just 
dilute how much yours is worth by making a bunch of them. Do you think that's the, uh, and do you think that's the the mindset? Absolutely, it's, it's happened 100%. recently. They, really? they did it with they did it with a particular product of theirs called um, the Charizard Ultra Premium Collection. Um, to where, you know, this was supposed to be like a high end. It, it was a big box. It was like, uh, Pat, what was it? Retail, probably like uh, 75 to a hundred dollars. Uh, and it was over a hundred dollars. Yeah. So it was like a hundred dollar USD product and it came with like 12 to 15 packs. It came with these cool promos, but they knew that like it's Charizard. People are going to like snatch these all up yeah, and try course. to resell them for way more. So they put out a bunch of them. You could find them everywhere 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 and it was like these people who bought cases and cases and cases the the price of those boxes immediately went down retail because you could get it everywhere it wasn't special and they did it on purpose like a hundred percent don't they didn't they know that it was gonna be popular like well i mean that's the thing thing they they for sure knew it was gonna happen anyway well, I think they were probably sick and tired of that happening throughout the course of the last couple of years, especially during COVID. You would have these people go out and that was essentially their job is like, I'm going to buy these Pokemon cards just to flip them. And then either real collectors or kids who want to play the game or whoever weren't able to get them because they were all being snatched up and, and you know, their inventory was so low you couldn't find it. So they mm-hmm. were like, I know what to do. Let's put out this premium product and make make the value of it crash um also, to, to hopefully stop these people from doing it they are not afraid to like reprint an old set yeah like uh, if you take vivid voltage for example vivid voltage <laughs> has has one card in it it's a pikachu card it's a rainbow pikachu it is the chase card of the set it is really the only card in the set that holds value worth chasing and the set came out was gosh two or three years ago Mm-hmm. And they only recently, I think, stopped printing it like a couple months ago. Like you could still and, go to the store and find it on the shelf. And that caused the price of that particular chase card to go from like $300 to like 120 because they just mm-hmm. kept printing the set, kept printing it. Yeah, so you just eliminate all of those people who are like hoarding these rainbow Pikachus or, you know, hoarding the product because they know that there's a possibility that you right. could have the rainbow Pikachu inside. So if I'm if I'm the producer, which I Pokemon Company, I guess would be the producer. The, mm-hmm. Why would I care if someone's hoarding the cards if I don't tell anyone how many I'm printing? I mean, you you because there's kind of like with anything that's really collectible like that, you've got multiple sides of your community. Right. You've got like the flippers, which is who we're kind of talking about here. Mm-hmm. You've got like the collectors and then you've got like the active, you know, like. You know, kids who want to just go out and buy packs because like we did when we were kids, right, we didn't buy them to collect and we didn't go, oh, I think this is a great investment for 20 years right, from now. Right. <laughs> um, so if if you put out like, let's say you release a product and it immediately gets snatched up by all these people who are just reselling the other two subsets of your fan base are not happy. So they have to re- they have to keep producing that product or else the other two sets aren't going to be happy about it and they'll stop buying in the future, right? So they have to they have to be aware of that and and be aware of how popular something's going to be and and who's snatching it up and what the resale market is like and and everything like that to kind of maintain all three of those fan bases. 
I think there's also another factor in that I don't think it matters how many Pokemon cards they print because of how many people will actually buy it. Like Coco was saying, you have all these subsets. You know, they could still be printing these vivid voltage packs and you can still go to the store on a, any given day and they'll be sold out. Right. Well, although, you, although you eliminate you know, the people who are collecting them to, to put them away and hope that they increase in value, you'll still have the kids go to the store and buy exactly. them. Exactly. So no matter how many they print, they're still selling them. So they they fix yeah, you one don't, problem and they still make money. <laughs> so. you, you don't you don't very often find Pokemon cards on the clearance rack. You know, like it's, no. it doesn't happen terribly often. Right. Yeah. So so you keep you keep like parents and kids happy. You upset those people who are trying to ruin the days of of those parents and those kids. So I think it's a win win for the Pokemon <laughs> company. And I wonder how big the. Pokemon companies words because the Pokemon company I'm guessing encapsulates encapsulates am I saying that right? Yeah. Um it's just one of those words that sounds wrong as you're saying it. Uh like how because it's 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 cards, it's the shows, it's all of the products which are limitless. Yeah, do you, do you want to hear it, it? This is a an article that I pulled up here of estimated Pokemon revenue breakdown in the U.S. This was as of last year. Yeah, afraid. In licensed merchandise, ninety-one billion with a B. <laughs> in video games, twenty-seven billion. The box office, one point eight billion, and then the rest are, uh, I guess, you know, home entertainment. It says eight hundred and thirty million. Strategy guides and books, 142 million Strategy and guides. 3 million for jet <laughs> aircraft livery sales, which I don't know what that means. But I mean, what? we're talking, jet I don't aircraft. know what that is. Uh, I mean, I think total revenue is like 118 billion. I mean, that's massive. Massive. Wait, so how many employees work at the Pokemon? Is, are, they, are they the per person, like per employee most profitable company? Like, and they're also based in Bellevue, uh, this one, which is where I used to live. Crazy. Well, yeah. that's that's for Nintendo, isn't it? Uh, Pokemon. Or is company. it Pokemon? Is it Pokemon as well? Okay. Um. Well, I guess Pokemon America has a thousand. It's got to be more. With that much money, it's got to yeah. be way more than. Because I just googled how many employees does a Pokemon company have. This says three seventy four. That's not right. No. Yeah, I don't think that sounds right. I think I many of the employees there are over in Japan. Yeah, I think a lot of it okay. is. Maybe Google's Japan. feeding me the. Uh... Dude, that's. It's got to be the most profitable video game franchise, right? Over, Mar- or do you think Mario? I think it. I think it's the most profitable, like licensed franchise. To be honest, I think I talked about that with you last time when when I was on the podcast. Okay. It's like, it's like the number one. Yeah, I mean, because if you think about it, you're 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 getting, you know, kids who are like as young as like four and five who are into it and adults like. Probably up to 40, you know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, you're you're getting a very large amount of the market and that's, that's in multiple great. countries. And yeah, I was talking I was talking with Coco about that the other day, like they've done an amazing job over the years of keeping it relevant. Yeah, they yeah. have no shortage. It seems like they have feel like. Uh, 
even at a time when it was like at its least popular, I bet you it was still one of the more popular franchises. Yeah. <sighs> Definitely. Well, uh, gentlemen, I didn't mean to, to go over there, but uh, I was kind of uh, sucked in to that whole. Just such a. Just thinking about the business end of it, it's just so. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. Especially on the card side. Of just, I, I'm trying to think of any franchise that has that. I just, outside of sports, is there Maybe any? Magic? Magic the Gathering? Oh, duh, of course. So those would be yeah. the top three, right? I, 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 th- I think the top three card franchises must be Magic, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh. maybe Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. yeah. You think Yu-Gi-Oh's that far up? Mm-hmm. Over sports? Yeah, over sports trading? Over, over sports? Well, uh, the, the way I think... Sports. I, I don't know. Sports overall might take the cake, but like the reason when we were talking about before, we were like in sports, you can pull like those one of tens. The reason they do that is because they're not as prevalent anymore. So like, how do we keep people buying it? We make these really rare ones. So like the fact that the other ones aren't doing that yet makes me think that they're doing better, but I could be wrong. Yeah. And, and with sports, you've also, they've also developed like, it's almost a, would never say it, but it's almost like a tiered uh, system. Like, you go to the store, you go to Walmart, and you can buy a box of cards. Now, within that box, you'll never, ever find the most valuable card, right? Almost impossible. Right. Or you can buy the $10,000 box of cards where you might only get, like, six cards, but you might find, like, the greatest card to ever exist. And, and so we, we don't see that in Pokemon either. You either... You can buy a single pack, you can buy a booster box, but what you get in all the packs is the same. And I hope that doesn't come to Pokemon. Right? The, the serial numbered cards are cool. Um, but I would hope that... I, yeah, they, I would, I would ever... take it as a red flag that they were struggling if they had to come to that. Yeah, and, and if they ever did, I would hope that they're just placed in every pack. Like, you know, there's no additional cost to get the packs in which those cards might sit. Well, I hope it doesn't come to to that either for for y'all's sake, especially as, as fans <laughs> right. of the fans of the the system there. But um, I'm sorry, guys, we we went a little bit over. I didn't I didn't mean to keep. Um, but uh, before we before we close out, um, remind everyone, find you, and then the platforms most uh, active on. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, I'm exclusively on YouTube at the moment. I hope to branch out. Sometime soon, you can find me at Patterson Packs. Uh, we go live Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, 30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. At least one pack a day, every single day. And uh, in the future, if I do get on other platforms, I'll make sure everybody knows via YouTube. Awesome. Uh, and I'm on YouTube as well as far as streams, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. And you can find me at Oh No, It's Coco uh, on YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, and also at Coco Games on Instagram. Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate the time again. And uh, once more, uh, this is Peter, a.k.a. Naco Stories on uh, Season 2, Episode 3 of Creators Unplugged. We'll catch you on the next one. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thanks, everyone.